Hi, I'm Beth Fuller, and you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I know the world can feel intimidating or scary at times, but I'm here to tell you it doesn't have to be. Through the lens of food, we can learn so much about one another, celebrate our differences, and maybe eat some tasty food along the way. Are you ready to do this? I know I am. So let's go on a food adventure together right now. Well, 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 here we are. You're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is episode nine. Today, we're going to talk a lot about baking, a lot about sourdough. We're going to learn a lot together. 2020 was the year of sourdough. I dove in head first. I'm sure you did too. A lot of you are actually still baking. I had some successes and some, and well, some not so successes. Now, before we get started, put down the pens and pencils, stop taking notes. I'm going to take your notes. Go on my website, elizabethrfuller.com. Do you have questions? Do you have food questions? Do you want to work together? Do you want to be on the podcast? I've got answers. Email me at let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. And if you go on any food adventures, I want to see them. So tag me in all of your food adventures on Instagram at let's go on a food adventure. Oh my gosh, let's just go on a food adventure already. So some of you may or may not know this. This is a good fun fact about myself. I do a lot of freelance work. That's what I've been doing right now during COVID and what I'm going to continue to do after COVID. So I am a uh, professional food and product photographer. I also recipe test for bloggers, um, cookbook authors, magazines. And on top of that, I, for the last 15 years, have been doing event curation, event sales, event planning. I was was the director of sales at a private university um, for the last five years outside of Boston. So this morning I was testing a recipe for a food blogger and it's these chocolate chip buttermilk pancakes. They're super duper fluffy. They're utterly delicious. I have made them now four times (laughs) and (laughs) I'm standing over the straw because they're like, they have in the picture, I wanted to make it look just beautiful and fresh and chocolate and strawberries are on my mind because spring's coming soon and, or at least I hope it is. And so strawberries are starting to get a little bit better, the ones you get from Florida at least. And the strawberries are really the garnish on the plate for the photo. And I'm standing there and I'm cutting them and I I had this flash because I'm holding the strawberry and I'm, I'm using the knife to cut it in my hand, which I haven't, I don't normally do at all, but... I had, as I'm doing it, I got this like whoosh memory of my grandmother watching her chop something in the kitchen, whether it was like an apple or a tomato or or something like that. And she would hold it and she would take a knife and just kind of like pull the knife from behind to cut whatever she was cutting. And I could visualize her hands. I could see the knife. I could, I was like in the kitchen with her in that very like whoosh of a moment. And She's been gone for a long time, unfortunately, and it was so nice because it almost felt like she was standing right next to me holding the strawberry and I was like that little girl for a split second. What does that have to do with baking? Absolutely nothing. It literally just happened. So I wanted (laughs) to talk about it because I'm sure a lot of you probably have those type of food memories too. And like, it's just one more way food is so freaking amazing and how it connects us, brings us back, reminds us of our loved ones that are not here anymore. So anyway, 
let's talk about baking. I love baking. I love baking in the house. I love the smell of baked goods in the house. Baking is something that is a good challenge for me because it forces me to really focus in on the recipe and read the story and pay attention, which I'm, and I've said this many times, a very good intuitive cook. So baking is something that I think I, that I just find really grounding and relaxing almost in a way um, and challenging, like I said. So we're going to learn a lot about baking today. We're going to talk to an expert on baking and answer some of your questions. So let's dive into one right now together. So Shannon in Michigan writes, I follow the recipe to a T, but my baked goods never seem to come out right. Help. Okay. All right. So I have an idea. I'm guessing. And I'm just going to, I think we need to start at the beginning with this and see and kind of troubleshoot it in a few different ways. I'm guessing if you are following the recipe to a T, the timing and everything. And based on you being in Michigan, because you're not like, say, in Denver, where then you're dealing with the altitude. So if you're in Michigan and you're not dealing with altitude, I'm guessing something's off with your oven. So my first suggestion would be to get an oven thermometer. And I would put it in your oven and set it to, say, whatever the temperature of the recipe should be, 350 degrees, and then leave it in your oven for like maybe like a half hour and or even like 15 or 20 minutes. But I would say like a half hour just to be sure. And look and see what the oven temperature actually is. Um, number one, if your oven's running, I don't know if your oven's running too hot or too cold, but that that's like my first intuition is it's your oven temperature. The other thing that, and if you're making, because you weren't very specific with what you're baking, but it doesn't really matter. A lot of times with baked goods, there's um, baking, it's usually like baking powder, baking soda, and those things are like leaveners that are going to act together to make things like puff up like cookies and stuff like that. So if your baking powder or baking soda, especially baking powder is old, then it's not gonna work. So you should definitely check the expiration dates on both. If they are near to be expired or expired, pitch them um, and start off fresh. And that might help with your baking problems. So I will put a link to an oven thermometer on the show notes. Check it out. Might be worth it. I hope this helps. Let me know. All right. So Ashton, like your name, in Maryland says, what are some good substitutions when I'm baking and I don't have all the ingredients? Oh no. So I'm laughing because this is so during the pandemic, me and my aunt, a couple of my aunts and my mom decided to do like a little cooking club. And once a week, we'll pick a recipe and then we'll get on a Zoom or a FaceTime together and we just cook together and laugh and whatever. And I would say, out of every single, I mean, we've done it a handful of times, and every single recipe, one of us is like, well, I didn't have this, so I'm just going to throw this in. <laughs> And, you know, sometimes it comes out and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, the the short answer is no, you really shouldn't substitute things when it comes to baking because they're being suggested because of certain chemical properties in them that is going to result in the texture, the crumb, the 
the whatever the end result is supposed to be. Like for example, say you're, the recipe calls for AP flour, all purpose flour. And you're like, well, I have whole wheat. Can I use that? The whole wheat flour is going to lead to like more of a denser, drier, crumbly texture. So unless that's what you're going for, great. If not, and that's what you like, okay, great. But if not, then you need to find a way to counterbalance that. And I don't even know if you can, I'm not a food scientist. Like another example would be, say somebody says, okay, well, this recipe is calling for butter, but I don't eat butter. Um, can I substitute coconut oil? Like, um, a non, like a, a solid coconut oil, right? Uh, no, if it says, if the recipe says cream together, butter and sugar, and then the eggs, no, uh, -uh. because you need the, the chemical properties in the butter to do what it needs to do to make the magic happen in whatever you're making. And the coconut oil is not going to have those same chemical properties in the end. So, uh, another example would be, can I make this recipe vegan or gluten-free? For years, I ate gluten-free because I um, have some tum-tum stuff that we're not going to talk about. I will spare you the details. But uh, then I went to Italy and I ate all the gluten. Yeah, say la vie. Um, that's, that's French. doesn't matter. So I did for a long, I did a huge deep dive for years on gluten-free baking, on gluten-free recipes and learned a ton about flour blends and blended my own gluten-free flours. And it took a long time of trial and error to figure out how to make something that is a normal glutenish, glutinous, glutinish, glutinous, whatever recipe, um, sans gluten. And it never has a hundred percent the same. <laughs> So unless you're a super experienced baker um, and you want to try to go like the vegan gluten-free route and you know what you're doing, like, you know, you know when to make a flax egg, you know how long to let that sit for and all that. Like I wouldn't, I would, I would find a baker who's already mastered that skill and follow their blog. Like Minimalistic Baker does a great job. Cookies and Kate's another great one. Love and Lemons is a great food blog I reference a lot um, and I can put those in the show notes, but no, there's no substitute. There's no substitutions in baking. <laughs> like moral of the story, follow the recipe, read the recipe two or three times and then follow it. Um, so there you go, Ashton. <laughs> Good luck. All right. Malcolm in Ohio asks, what baking tools do you recommend? A lot. No, I'm just kidding. No, there's some, there are some great ones though. And as I've mentioned in other episodes, for sweet or savory cooking, baking or just straight up cooking, a kitchen scale is key to have in your kitchen. Um, with baking, because it's so precise and a lot of things should be measured out to the gram in a really good cookbook, uh, kitchen scale, number one, without question. Obviously measuring tools, um, measuring cups, teaspoons, tablespoons, and then also like liquid measuring cups as well. Um, I really though prefer, cause if you have a kitchen scale and everything's weighed out to the gram, like things weigh differently. A cup of one flour is gonna weigh so much differently than a cup of another flour or vice, it doesn't matter. So if you're 
weighing things out, you literally just put the bowl on top of the scale and you just keep hitting the tear button, which then means it's going to keep resetting. So you just dump the stuff into the gram. So you really don't need to deal with measuring cups, but I digress. Other recipes, um, especially ones that are written on food blogs and stuff like that tend to just be to the cup, tablespoon, teaspoon versus the gram or the liter or whatever. So, okay. The other one, an oven thermometer. I mentioned it earlier. If you don't know how your oven is running, an oven thermometer is great. It'll help give you an idea of what your oven temperature runs at. And then if you need to get it recalibrated, you can bring in a specialist to come in and fix your oven, um, which I had to do. And the other thing I would never do ever in my life is uh, use the self-cleaning feature on your oven. Just forewarning you now, I did it once, the entire house turned to black smoke, and then um, I burned out the thermal something something sensor in the back of the oven, which then I had to get an expert to come and take the whole countertop apart and then pull the oven out because it's set inside my countertop. <laughs> And it was a total nightmare. So don't ever use, and he said to me, this, this feature on this, on these ovens, no one should use them. No, no one in their right mind should use them to clean your oven because it gets way too hot. And then it can really short out the oven. It's like, why is it on there? I don't know. They, the companies think it's a good selling feature. Okay. So my PSA for today, don't use the self-cleaning feature on your oven. All right back to center. So the other thing, I think you need to get parchment paper. It's cheap. Every grocery store market has it. It makes a world of a difference with baking, especially with cakes and cookies. It creates a nonstick surface between what you're baking and the pan. And it's the best way to go when you're baking without question. There is no substitution for it. I don't like cooking sprays. Um, I do use them from time to time, but parchment paper, parchment paper is my jam. The other thing, get the right pan for what you're baking. There is a difference in the way that heat is conducted with glass, with metal, and with silicone. It's not conducted with silicone. Don't bake with silicone things. They are great because, you know, things pop out of them so easily, but you're never going to get the right rise. I made a huge mistake in trying to bake with silicone in November and um well they turned out like crap and I had to throw everything away so silicone's great for if you are freezing something like popsicles or ice cream molds or whatever making soaps I don't know but don't bake with it it doesn't conduct heat it's not it's not the right thing and the other thing is if your recipe is calling for, back to the substitution question, a eight inch metal cake pan or whatever, and then you decide you wanna use a 10 inch glass, blah, 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 then you really need to figure out the different time. You're gonna to have to watch it a little bit better. Something's gonna cook, it's gonna be a little thinner, so it might cook a little quicker. The glass is gonna conduct heat slightly differently than the metal would. Just food for thought on all of that. But yeah, so those are the things that I would get started with and really recommend. Um, so I hope that helps. Okay, thank you for your question. Well, I think it's that time. I think we should bring on our guest. Oh man, I know I say this every time, but I just adore her. She, 
is doing things in her kitchen that blow my mind on a daily basis. So her name is Vindy. Her Instagram is Vindy's Kitchen. I'm sure you follow her because my goodness, she is amazing. Her website, my love of baking. She really does take baking in her kitchen to an entirely different level. I can't believe she hasn't been doing this her entire life. She is a master when it comes to sourdough and transforming flour and water and some wild yeast into some incredible things. I find her blog, her Instagram extremely relaxing to look through. Talking with her live, I now realize she is just a beautifully relaxed and intuitive soul. I am honored and thrilled that she took some time to talk to me. So without further ado, Vindy from Vindy's Kitchen and My Love of Baking. Hey, Vindy, how are you? Hi, Beth. I'm fine. Thanks. Thank you so much for being on today. Like, you are my baking goddess, and I am in such awe of everything you're doing. And let me just start off by saying your Instagram account is one of the most like relaxing meditative experiences when it comes to just the beauty of your photos and like everything you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I know you put a lot of time and effort into it, and it really, truly shows. And this, I, I mean, I, we're going to talk all about your background and everything, but like you have found your calling sister in life. I am pumped for you. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I'm really glad that someone is, someone somewhere is enjoying what I do. <laughs> totally. There's a lot of us who are enjoying what <laughs> yeah, you I do. Hope so. <laughs> so now you're originally from Australia, right? You and your husband? Yes. I mean, I'm originally from Sri Lanka and then mm -hmm. we migrated to Australia and make it our home. And then, uh, yeah, and then later we decided to come to the U.S. I love that. So what's <laughs> funny is um, the episode that just aired, which will be episode eight, is all about Sri Lanka and all about oh. Sri Lankan food. And like, I'm obsessed with Sri Lankan food now. Like it's, uh, I'm, I get, so you being from Sri Lanka and now here we are talking about baking. <laughs> all right. So what brought you here from Australia to Seattle of all places? Oh, yeah. So this wasn't something that we have uh, planned uh, so that this was my husband's work uh, that brought us here. Mm -hmm. uh, he got uh, like an offer from Amazon. Um, we are both software engineers. And so like I know that uh, he would I mean, he would love to take up that opportunity. So he wanted to come and then I decided, OK, so let's let's just do this and yeah. see where it's going to take us. Yeah. Good for so you. <laughs> and like you, you, you're now baking full time, right? Mm -hmm. So yes. what got you so into baking? Um, well, um, sort of like, uh, I knew I loved baking from since a very young age. Mm -hmm. um, but um, back in Australia, like I was, uh, I was so taken by all the cafes and bakeries over there. And we lived in Melbourne. So it, mm -hmm. it did. Melbourne has a like a very vibrant food culture. Um, so I was really in, into baking and bread and pastries in those bakeries. So that's, that, that, that was my inspiration, actually. That's wonderful. And mm -hmm. when it comes to baking, 
how do you plan your own recipes in the kitchen? Like what inspires you now? Cause you're doing what I love is you, like, it's not just one type of thing. Like you do a yeah. full range from savory to sweet to really advanced to something, somebody who's just starting can do like, how do you get inspired? Where's, how do you come up with these amazing creations? Um, well, um, the thing is like, I don't create any recipe just for the blog or for my Instagram. Mm-hmm. So these are like uh, stuff that we eat in our day-to-day life. So, so that's what happened. So that's why it's so uh, vibrant. And it's so, I mean, that's why there's a, a lot of uh, various things on my Instagram, not just bread. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, we, we don't just eat bread, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> as much as we would all love to every day, but yes, no, yes you got it. Like, what is it? Spice, yeah. no, variety is the spice of life or something. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So, but I know when it comes to actually planning out, like what, I'm sure you have a content calendar or I'm, I have a feeling you're very organized because it's so beautifully laid out that you must plan ahead when you're, thinking of these recipes right or is it literally just Um, what are we making this week I think I want to make this this and this and let's just take (laughs) some pictures Uh, to be honest it's very spontaneous like I don't plan like that even Mm -hmm. my Instagram feed I mean I have no planning at all it's just organic like I wake up (laughs) and I post something uh, very organic like something I baked yesterday so mostly it's something that I baked on the same day or yesterday wow you have mastered this so beautifully in such an effortless way. I am uh, inspired completely by you. Thank you for inspiring me on the daily. And now you make it look so darn easy because you're like, oh, you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever, whatever floats in my mind. I just did that. And then you get like 20,000 likes. <laughs> yes. Sometimes I don't believe like people, I mean, like that, that so much. Like, yeah. yeah. To be honest, I am sometimes baffled. Like, why, why do they like my bake so much? Because, I mean, I literally just baked it in the morning. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, that's why we like it so much, because you're just yeah. listening to your inner guidance and just going yeah. with the flow. And that's why, honestly, you right now are, like, bringing me down in such a beautiful, relaxing way. And it really does come through on your website and on your social pages that you are, you have this beautiful meditative energy about you that like it makes us so intrigued and relaxed when we're staring at your stuff do you know what I mean like I hope this uh, thank you so, so much weird, but <laughs> it's so true and now it makes total sense so that's amazing I got into the sourdough craze as did I think everyone else in the world in 2020 mm-hmm. and you know after you make your first sourdough loaf you're like hmm what else can I put in this and yeah. so I have tried to mix in so many different iterations of things in sourdough and yeah. some have come out okay some come out better than <laughs> others when is the best time to put the mix-ins in and what do you recommend mixing into sourdough bread um, okay, so I mix all sort of things in my sourdough bread, to be honest, like mm-hmm. I like to experiment with flavors mm-hmm. and different textures. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think the best, uh, the best place to add any, um, anything into your sourdough is once you are uh, done with the mixing. So like, yeah, if I talk in technical point mm-hmm. of view, like once you're done all the gluten development, which mm-hmm. is very crucial to bread making. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That is the best place to introduce anything else. Okay. Uh, 
Because yeah. with sourdough, don't you let it rise multiple times? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, so is it like after the very last rise, that's what I'm adding it in? Or do I add it in once I'm completely done kneading before the first major rise? So many um, questions, I know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'll try to answer in one. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Uh, let me try. Okay. Uh, so, um, uh, there are like uh, different ways of making sourdough bread. So my uh, my preferred method is, um, so I don't use a mixer when I, when I make my bread. Um, so I just mix it by hand and then uh, leave it for like one or two hours for water ice. Mm -hmm. And then I move on to uh, a, li a little bit of kneading, maybe one to two minutes, oh. um, followed by like three coil folds. That's what we do normally. Like we give the, uh, the dough a fold. Okay. That's what called it it's very technical i know but it is yes yeah i love it okay yeah but that helps uh, develop the gluten um mm -hmm. so after my final fold um uh, that's where i add my um the additions uh the cheese okay. or leaves or whatever yeah. okay awesome and then do you when you add in certain ingredients like olives aren't really very watery but they do have a little bit of moisture mm. content to them do you have to factor out then how much water you're adding into the actual flour mixture or does it really matter because it's such a minimal amount of water in an olive or in some other type of fruit? Yes. Um, well, um, I really don't um, think it's, it does uh, affect so much uh, because I mean, you're past the gluten development, so it won't affect so much. Okay. Uh, but the thing is like, uh, personally, I use a, a different flour <laughs> than everyone else. Um, so that flour is like a very thirsty flour, so it can handle a lot of water or moisture in the dough. What um, kind of flours do you use? Tell me all about so, them. <laughs> yeah, so I use a locally milled, a locally grown flour that's available in Washington. Uh, so uh, that's from a mill called uh, Can Spring Mills. Uh, okay. So their flour is a high extraction flour, meaning there's a lot of uh, like uh, whole grain in it. Mm. Um, so I say, so more bran and germ. Mm -hmm. So that flour can take up a lot of moisture. So I really don't worry about uh, about the, the little minimal water in the olives. That okay, yes. I got you. <laughs> All right, and you, I mean, that must be a wonderful flour because the results that you have, mm. it are just mind-blowing. I can't get my flour to look like your flour. So I'm really going to look online and I will tag them and I will put them all on the show notes because I think we all need to buy your flour because my <laughs> God, if it's just your flour, that's well, it's your, and your magic, but I am, I am willing to try anything Vindy at this point in time to make my baking look even a quarter of as good as your baking. So now when you need it, and I know, sour, I know all bread is different, right? There's mm -hmm. different kneading. Now with sourdough, like you said, you're really only going to knead it for a couple of minutes at the most. Like you're just yes. holding it a few times and yep. getting a nice shape to it and then you're done, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So with other breads, how do you know when you've done enough kneading? Because you hear these terms like, oh, it needs to have a nice glossy sheen or smoothness to it. Or there needs to be like, you touch it and it kind of bounces back a little bit. I still can't get it right. So I would love to know <laughs> what you're doing. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, if you take like enriched bread, like brioche and panettone, mm -hmm. uh, so those kind of bread, they need a, a nice gluten development to get the nice airy crumb structure. Mm -hmm. 
So in those kind of bread, like we really mix it to the point uh, where you get a window pan. Um, so it's another technical term. Um, so we take a bit of uh, dough and then we stretch it. Okay. Uh, so we should be able to, I mean, it should be uh, transparent when you stretch oh, it. Okay. <laughs> yes. So you should get a membrane, um, like a transparent membrane. So you should be able to read a newspaper through that <laughs> but without <Okay>. tearing. <laughs> okay. And like when you, so I'm, I'm totally with you. I'm, I'm visualizing this. So I take the dough and I'm like tearing, I get the little piece and I'm, I pull it up. And when I see the membrane, mm -hmm. Is it okay to see some of the striations of other, like, do you know what I mean? Like, is it, does that mean that maybe I need to need it more? Like, should it be, I pull it and it's a, almost like a clear picture window of dough that I could read a piece of newspaper through, like no little striations, no other tiny little membranes in it. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Um, yes. So it, it, ideally it should be like a very clean, clear mm -hmm. uh, sheet sort of a mm -hmm. thing. Um, you should not have any lumps or streaks or anything else. It should be really silky, okay. uh, stretchy, um, beautiful dough in other words. <laughs> I, I love your breads too. And I love your descriptors of them. And one day my breads are going to look like your breads because I'm going to keep practicing because you are a huge inspiration to me. Um, do you want to answer a couple of listener questions? Oh, why not? I'd okay, love to. Great. So Megan in Portland, Maine would love to know how you stay in such good shape when you must be baking all of the time. <laughs> I get that asked a lot of times. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, first thing, I'm a very active person. So, mm. I mean, me and my husband, we are both very active. We, we exercise, we bake, train, we do trail running. So I'm pretty sure I burn more calories than I consume. So <laughs> that's mm. number one. <laughs> Okay. I'm very jealous. And you also were blessed with a really nice metabolism. So good for you. <laughs> Keep eating yeah. those baked goods. Thanks. <laughs> and also, I mean, uh, I mean, it's not uh, what you see on my Instagram page is not everything that I eat. Uh, so I usually eat a very balanced diet. I mean, I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. So yeah. I, yeah. So it's, it's not That's just good. what's on Instagram. No, it's <laughs> yeah. true. I know. But still, like, even when, so it's just you and your husband, and especially during quarantine times, like mm. make all of these baked goods and it's not like it serves two, you know? So then you either have a yes. freezer full of frozen baked goods or like you're trying to eat through them. You know what I, I, I mean, I'm, yes. I know. we're also trail running and doing a lot of wonderful things for your body. So, and eating fruits yep. and vegetables. So there you go. That's what we all have to do to look like Bindi and be blessed with a beautiful <laughs> metabolism. <laughs> um, all right, Sean in New York would like to know, how do you make such beautiful designs on your bread? Um, the simple answer is using a simple blade. Mm -hmm. um, uh, now I have like bread lames. Uh, some of them were gifted to me, some I bought online. Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, initially I just used a plain blade. Uh, mm. Yeah, just and like then, a really sharp one. Almost, would you? Could you um, use um, not an exacto knife, but like one of those like little razor things that? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Great. Uh, and then yeah, I, I simply cut it. Uh, cut uh, the bread dough. Like you, you first need to get a really nice uh, consistency with the dough to to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's number one. And then uh, you have to practice your scoring. It's just uh, comes with time. Okay. And do you score literally right before it goes in the oven? Yes. Okay. Yes. So no more rising. <laughs> the no, the no. rising is done. <laughs> it's Sorry. done. And then you put it in the oven. And then like. For example, you have different colors sometimes with 
the decorations on the bread, like some, some parts of it are lighter, some parts of it are darker. Is that like a wash that you're putting on it? Or is that just from the scoring and the, the heat, the way that it's touching the tops of the bread? Oh, yeah, that's completely up to the bread, what it does inside the oven. Like I have no control over that. Oh, but wow. I think by, yeah, um, I usually uh, spray my loaf with some water and then uh, give it a light, light dusting of flour. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, yeah, some it just completely totally out of my control it's I'm, I'm actually surprised and I really love to have the first look in the oven yeah. when the bread bakes. it's exciting every time <laughs> no and it's so beautiful I had no idea I thought that there was some kind of magic that you're like oh I brush blah 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 but now now I know it's just nature mm -hmm. there you go and um, my flower and your flower. Again, <laughs> we're all buying Vindy's flowers. So I will link to this flower because you too can bake like Vindy if you have this special flower from Washington State. <laughs> not, I mean, I'm not just saying it's just Washington flower, but whatever the flower that's available locally yeah. to you, the yeah. artisan flower, that's the, that's the best that you could use. Okay, great. Sarah in New Hampshire would like to know, what ratio do you feed your starter and does the ratio affect the crumb or rise? Um, the, the straightforward dance is um, yes, uh, but how you maintain and feed your starter definitely affects the rise and the crumb mm. uh, because they are all intertwined. Like you can't really uh, say just uh, maybe uh, there are several things that affect um, in making a beautiful bread. So it's not just one thing. Um, personally, when I maintain my starter, I don't really think about uh, any ratios when I feed it. Uh, honestly, I don't weigh my flour water. Uh, you like don't? No, no, I mean, it's just uh, it's just <laughs> natural yeast. So I just have to feed them. So I just take a, maybe a, a tablespoon and then feed it with, uh, you know, half a cup of flour maybe. I don't, I don't measure anything. So I just uh, make a slurry with flour and water and just feed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You're I know. <laughs> oh my God. I don't measure anything. I just eyeball it and it just oh, yeah. happens. Oh, Completely. <laughs> I, <laughs> you, I wish I could bake like you. Oh my gosh. You are so you must meditate every day because you are so centered and just so in tune. I, I think bread making is my meditation. <laughs> I agree. You Well, you're doing it well. So, all right. So you've got your starter. And how old is your starter at this point? So um, how long have I been here? Uh, 2.5 years? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so maybe, yeah. So maybe that. Okay. And, and do you feed it every few days, every day? Uh, so right now, because I don't work anymore, so yeah. I do baking full time. Uh, so I bake uh, at least uh, at least uh, three, four times a week. Mm -hmm. So yes, um, I feed my starter like uh, every other day. Um, and does your starter just live on your countertop because you're no, using no, no. it so much? Oh, it's in the fridge. It's in the fridge. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't use it that often. So um, uh, if I keep it on the countertop, I might have to feed it twice a day. So I don't want to do that. Oh, wow. <laughs> So yeah, okay. it's very active. Um, so I keep it in the fridge um, and pull it out and give it a feeding before I make the bread. Okay, so walk me through this for a second because I mm -hmm. tried so hard to do this and mm, we all, I, I, yeah, I will explain later. But I, <laughs> so you take your starter out of the fridge, say in the morning, and mm -hmm. you're going to bake. And then you're going to feed it 
leave it on the countertop, and then it's going to start bubbling and get active, right? Um, small correction there. <laughs> so yeah, I put my starter out of the fridge, and yep. then I uh, I don't feed it straight away because it's been in the fridge and mm-hmm. um, it's been slowing down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there has uh, been no fermentation at all. So I just leave it to come to room temperature. Okay. First, and then you will see some sort of uh, action going on in there um, because the yeast uh, get activated with the uh, with the temperature coming down. Okay. And I leave it like that for for a couple of hours, uh, maybe three to four hours. Like mm-hmm. I mean, it depends. I always look at my starter and decide what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So there's no there's no specific time uh, for this. Okay. And then I take some of it uh, and feed it and build up my leaven for the bread. Okay. And so you yeah. so you feed it, and then how long after you feed it do you then use it to make bread? Um. Again, depends. Like. Uh, uh, this is really like, um, um, how do I say? Um, I do it uh, like in a very uh, freestyle manner. Yeah, oh yeah, no, so- I'm well aware of your manner. But, and it doesn't, I'm not going to hold you to it, but I just, yep. yeah, like out of cure, like it, sometimes it might be an hour, sometimes it might be, and it probably also depends on the moisture in the air and the, how warm your kitchen is. And Yes, yeah, so yeah. Um, my apartment is like pretty, uh, very uh, temperature controlled, so mm-hmm. I know what temperature it is. Um, so, and then when you do it a couple of times, you know by practice when your starter is going to be ready. So by just looking at it, mm-hmm. you know it has come to come up to a certain level, and it's been bubbly and now ready to use. Okay. Uh, so then I use it. So that's simply that it's. You're so magical. <laughs> if you just know, I love it. Um, okay, Nick in Boston wants to know what do you make with all of your discard. Oh, uh, yeah, so I get a lot of discard because I bake a lot and I always refresh my starter. Mm-hmm. Um, and now because of the workshops, <laughs> I keep accumulating discard a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I put it uh, in a lot of things. Uh, so my favorite is to make discard crackers. Um, they're wonderful. Like It's like our Friday uh, go-to uh, snack. Ooh, <laughs> so, yeah. yum. And I think this is definitely on your website for sure. It is. Yeah, yes. so I'll link to that. That sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. And you add in like flavors into your discard crackers too? Oh, yes. Herbs. All sorts of flavors. Yes. Oh, I mean, so yeah, good. just be um, be adventurous and experiment with all mm-hmm. the flavors. You can take anything. Uh, spices, uh, seeds. Um, awesome. Yeah, anything. And okay. also, I like to uh, bake naan with that, uh, not bake actually, <laughs> make naan bread. Mm. Um, and awesome. I replace, like, uh, uh, in most naan recipes, um, you have to use yogurt. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I replace all the yogurt with my sourdough discard. <gasps> wow. Because yes. it's still going to give it that tanginess Tangy. that yes. the yogurt would. Oh, man. <laughs> Does it make it almost fluffier in a way, too? Um, yes, and I also add a little bit of oil uh, for mm. maybe butter, uh, and that does the trick. Wow, I'm baking all weekend, girl. I am so pumped <laughs> for this. Oh, that's awesome. And I think I have a, a, a non-recipe video on my YouTube where I use the okay. discard. So, yeah. Great. I will link to that as well. Emily in Austin, Texas would like to know, and you kind of already answered this, how many days a week do you bake in your kitchen? And do you set aside like today, say you're looking at your calendar and you're like, is Tuesday open? Okay, Tuesday I'm baking all day. And then Wednesday I'm gonna take all the pictures or like Tuesday, you know what I mean? Like, do you map it out that way? So you 
junk it together? Um, no, I don't map anything at, at this point. <laughs> I know, I know. I knew that answer was coming. Yeah. Even my photographing, like uh, I bake something and before we eat it, I would just uh, put it on the table and take a few shots. Uh, not a few, maybe hundreds. Yeah, <laughs> but, I know. Me yeah. too. Yeah, I haven't eaten a warm meal in so long because you yeah. you, you just, you, once you get in the zone of like moving things around and once you get the lighting right, you're like, oh, I can just take a thousand pictures. And then next thing you know, know, you literally have and then you... <laughs> You're like, oh, I guess we need to eat this now. Like, holy macaroni. I just want to go and edit the photos. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great segue because Carlos in California wants to know, how do you take such beautiful pictures of your work? Do you have a photo studio set up? Um, I don't have a studio. Like, we are living in a two-bedroom apartment. So I I really don't have a kitchen, full kitchen. Oh, my God. I have actually converted uh, a small area of our living room uh, to be my workshop and uh, my studio or whatever, whatever you call wow. it. Wow. Yeah. I have pictures on it on my blogs if you want to have a look. Yes. So it's a very small space. Wow. Because it looks like, and this is just what everyone thinks when you look at food bloggers yeah. and mm-hmm. and social media influencers that like you have these beautiful expansive kitchens with these gorgeous oh. countertops and you're like no I literally live in a two-bedroom apartment that we're <laughs> renting in Seattle yes, like yes. oh my god photoshop baby you could do a lot in Lightroom and photoshop with yeah I mean I don't photoshop I mean I don't know photoshop to be honest <laughs> I haven't used that software you don't um, edit your photos yeah. at all um I I would maybe uh add some light uh, so it's the basic uh, like windows uh, app that you have like any photo app, app has that i think maybe i will straighten it oh up and uh, prop my <laughs> some things like that yeah i never change my color or lighting or anything i mean because i want the viewers to have the real the real shot of my food i wish you could see the expression on my face right now it literally <laughs> just hit the ground <laughs> oh my gosh but I do want to learn Photoshop in the future, maybe. Um, so yeah, that's in my to-do list. I don't know if you need to, because your photos are spectacular. I cannot believe those are not edited in any way beyond just like some artificial light. That yeah, art- Yes, artificial light. I definitely use artificial lights uh, because there's no light here. Yeah. So there's no daylight here. Yeah. Oh my! And also God. a good camera. I mean, I don't want to say I take all my pictures from a phone or anything like that. So no. I use a DSLR camera. And yeah. What camera do you lenses. use? Um, wait, I don't remember that. Uh, it's a it's a Canon EOS seventy D. Oh, okay, that's a great camera. Uh, yeah, but I I I wouldn't buy that if I had to buy a camera now. I bought this camera when I didn't know anything about <laughs> baking mm. or photographing. So mm-hmm. yeah, so there are much better cameras now. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, te- but honestly, you can take beautiful as you now can attest to. You can take a beautiful photo with any kind of DSLR camera. It totally. Really. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's the and also the lenses. I think um, mm-hmm. I didn't know that I was using my kit lens for a long time, but then I realized it's not it's not giving me that vibrant, um, clear mm-hmm. uh, shot that I needed. Uh, what kind so of lens do you use now? Uh, so I mostly use the simple uh, prime lens, uh, fifty millimeter prime lens. It's mm-hmm. a very affordable. Mm-hmm. I think that's the cheapest lens um, that you can get. Wow. Uh, and I also use a macro lens, which is also very affordable. Yeah, <laughs> so, the hundred millimeter <laughs> macro. Yeah. Yes, so I can't use the 100 millimeter because my camera is a crop lens, uh, a 
of camera. Mm -hmm. So I use the 65 millimeter instead. Yeah, it's yeah. well, your shots are beautiful. So <laughs> that, a good lens on an older camera makes a huge difference. It does. Yeah, yes. that's wonderful. John from Instagram would like to know, he says, I love the idea of your online classes. What classes are you going to offer this spring? Um, yeah, so I've just started doing classes. So I just did two classes uh, last month uh, and I have planned a few for February. Uh, so I'll plan it as in when necessary, like depending on the demand. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so right now there are a few classes uh, where I'd like to teach uh, sourdough for absolute beginners. Mm -hmm. And then there is another one for people who have a starter already and then they want to make beautiful bread. Mm -hmm. So this one for them. And then my newest uh, class is uh, about uh, enriched doughs. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to talk about all the like beautiful uh, enriched doughs, like um, cinnamon rolls, brioche, stuff Ooh. like that. There, like when you bake an enriched dough in your house, it is the best smell on the oh, planet. Oh, yes. I agree. It's like lighting <laughs> the best candle and then like you get to oh, eat yes. what you're, oh, I know, I know. It, there's something so comfy and cozy about an enriched dough baking in your oven. Yeah. Um, yeah. So myself, I am absolutely obsessed with croissants. Obsessed. Oh, yes. Your Ooh. sourdough <laughs> croissants are mind, the lamination that you're getting is mind blowing. Now, I am so intimidated to make these. Do you have any tips for me? Like when I make them, because I'm going to make them and I'm going to take a picture and I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> I need to, I, I need like a little, like, I need you to like rub my shoulders and give me like a little pep talk. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I started like you, so I, I mean, I didn't know how to do the <laughs> hand lamination. So I'm here. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, so I mean, you don't need any prior experience. Um, right now, I have experience working in bakeries, so I know what I'm doing right now. But uh, before all this, mm -hmm. I have started, uh, I have tried my hands uh, in making macaron, uh, sorry, in croissants. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it is a learning curve. Um, I mean, I can't really tell you to do it this way or that way. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So you just have to go in. Um, yeah. And you know, uh, get the experience yourself and make it every time. Okay. So. Do you recommend a certain butter? Like, should I get like really expensive French butter or does that matter? Um, obviously the sourdough starter, like should I wait until my sourdough starter has really been matured for a little while before? Cause um, it, you know. Yeah, so <laughs> the thing is, <laughs> so many questions. I know, I'm so excited. Yes. So um, uh, firstly, uh, if you want to read about uh, um, the sourdough uh, croissant, uh, I have a, like a really lengthy blog mm -hmm. post explaining everything. Yeah. Uh, so if you if have never made uh, croissants before, so my advice is uh, first uh, perfect your lamination. It's not just croissants. You can start by making puff pastry uh, okay. and stuff like that. And also uh, then make Easter croissants, which is, which is much easier. The process is similar, but you would be able to make a croissant within uh, two days. Really? Um, yeah. Or on the same day. I mean, it depends. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. No, no, no. I was excited by the two-day thing. I've never done lamination before. Oh, okay. <laughs> the best place to start is uh, puff pastry. Puff pastry then, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I buy so much butter. Okay. 
All right. So I'm going to I'm going to start with the puff. And then after the puff, I'll graduate mm-hmm. to the regular croissant. And then after yeah. that, I'm going to make your sourdough croissants. And I've yeah. read that lengthy post and I will keep reading it. I just wanted more. <laughs> I thought that you <laughs> I, <hear you. laughs> I know. I'm so nervous. <laughs> I'm going to spend so much money on butter. That's okay. That's okay. Oh, it, you don't have to use the expensive butter because I've been using the normal, um, the cheapest butter and it just give the give an okay croissant like may not be the top of the world thing but uh, you can get a beautiful croissant Uh, but yeah butter fat uh, definitely affects the lamination so if you can find a butter with uh, more than uh, 82 percent butter fat in it okay uh, that would be perfect all right I'm writing all this down so I have had many a baking fails and I truly believe that any kitchen fail is just an opportunity to learn more do you Absolutely. have any tips for any of us out there who have had our fair share of baking fails and feel like we could use a little bit of, dare I say, baking confidence? Mm. Yes. Uh, like I've been there, done that. So, <laughs> so many uh-huh. times, like I, I have several baking fails. Um, so, um, but I would say uh, first, like if you're trying a new recipe, um, just read the complete recipe. And if you're, if the recipe is on a blog post, maybe read the whole blog post. Uh, so probably the blogger is giving you a lot of information. <laughs> we all, we all are so guilty of it. And especially people who are like, are like how you bake, I cook. Like I'm a very intuitive cook. I just yeah. go with the flow. Yeah. I, can rec- I can redirect anything that I see possibly going awry, <laughs> but I don't. I don't even print out most of the blog posts that I'm pulling these recipes yeah. from, let alone read them. So, okay. So everyone read slow. Yeah. Let's take a breath. Let's get centered. Let's read the post. Okay. Great, great yeah. tip. Mm-hmm. Read the post. And then I would usually, um, you know, virtually uh, in my head, try to make the recipe. So, oh. <laughs> so yeah, so that's a, that's a very good way of uh, knowing your fails before doing that. So, so for example, if a recipe says, give, give it a coil fold. So if you don't know what a coil fold is, uh, then you go ahead, do some Googling and find out what a coil fold is and then come back. So like that, you um, solve all your questions or problems before jumping to making it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now I see why you're so good at what you do and how, why you're so relaxed. Now I know you were making kombucha during the pandemic. Like you become kind of a kombucha connoisseur, dare we say, are you still making the kombucha? And like, if so, how is it going and what like funky flavors have you been making? Yeah, it's still going, uh, it's going strong. Like uh, I've been brewing batch after batch. Um, and I'm not gonna stop anytime soon. <laughs> so. so you really, you really are. This is a whole new adventure for you right now. Is this kombucha adventure? Yes, yes, it is totally new. Like uh, I wanted to do it for a long time, but I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't confident enough. And mm-hmm. then uh, I talked to another couple who who've been making it uh, at a get together, and then she actually told me to like you know put your uh, fears away and just uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> go ahead and do it. And I just did. 
so yeah, it seems it's not that uh, difficult or intimidating. It's just like making sourdough bread. Yeah, uh, well, you with the fermenting things are, are mm -hmm. you, they just love you and you love them. <laughs> and it seems to be a very beautiful relationship you have. Me, not so yeah. much, but I'm willing to try. Like I am, I am not, I'm going to be like you and I'm going to turn my, my fears and worries into confidence. So how do you infuse your flavors in your kombucha? I've always wondered that because I see, you know, what is it? Did the GTs is everywhere and it's like guava yeah. and blueberry and mm. like when, because <laughs> I, I can picture like the mother with the, or the SCOBY, right? Is that what it's called on yeah. top? Yeah. And like, it's basically tea in a tea. way, right? That's just, yeah. has a teeny tiny bit of sugar in it that gets mm -hmm. fermented and that's kind of where this kombucha vinegary beautiful tartness is coming from right yeah yes yeah so uh, so in kombucha brewing like we have two stages uh, one is the first fermentation and we call the second the second fermentation so uh, during the first fermentation is where you actually develop your kombucha uh, mm. so you add the acidity and where all the fermentation happens and the microbes keep growing uh, all stuff like that and once you reach the end of your first fermentation uh, then you can uh, bottle your kombucha and add whatever the flavors you want. And then you leave the bottles for the second fermentation. Um, so during the second fermentation, um, I think you are going to carbonate the, the drink. Mm. Okay. That's where you're going to develop the frizzy, bubbly <laughs> texture of the kombucha. And how long yeah. does it take between the first fermentation and the second one? Uh, that depends. That depends on your mother and your room temperature and uh, several other factors. Okay. And also the flavors that you introduce. Like if you introduce like very sugary fruits, uh, it's going to, the second fermentation will be done in like two to three days. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it's a, um, it's a trial and error thing for me in the beginning. Like I uh, let my uh, bottles ferment for like two days and then I try to open the uh, lid and see if this, if the, kombucha is frizzy enough mm -hmm. uh, if it is not I would keep it for another couple of more days mm. what are your uh, favorite flavors that you've made so far uh, so far it's the mixed berry it's my favorite Ooh, what's in your mixed yes. berry uh, so raspberry blueberry and some blackberry <laughs> that's Ooh. that's a yum flavor and then yes. do you just put in like uh like the whole berries that you smush up and then just put some in like how does that work yeah so I then mush up some berries and just uh, put it first in the bottle mm -hmm. And uh, I usually uh, fill it up uh, with my kombucha and maybe a little bit of fresh tea mm. uh, with some sugar just to uh, give some more food uh, to the bacteria because I love them. <laughs> That's fascinating. I now want to make kombucha. <laughs> oh, my husband is going to be like, what have you done in our kitchen? I'm going to be fermenting everything this spring. Yeah. Um, so uh, what are you really excited about making in your kitchen right now? Like what's on deck? What, like, what are you going to make this week or this weekend? Um, yeah. So in the evening, I'm going to whip up a batch of marshmallows because <laughs> the weather is really cold. Yeah. I have hot chocolate in my mind. You can mm -hmm. see. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then maybe some croissants because I'm trying to get a, a Easter recipe going for my workshops. Uh, so there'll be a lot of test baking. I'm very excited about your croissant test speaking. If I lived <laughs> near you, I would be like, hi, oh. <laughs> let, let me test that out for you. 
for you and then I'll go run a trail after yeah, I eat I all your croissants. <laughs> yeah, right. I would love that. I absolutely love that. What is your favorite food adventure that you've taken recently? And maybe it's just takeout. Like it doesn't need to be, or if, or if there's one that comes to mind that like you actually went somewhere maybe pre-COVID. Oh, no, I would love to say I went somewhere, but I didn't um, mm-hmm. because yeah, <laughs> we just moved to the US and I had a lot uh, planned in my mind, but uh, we all know how that went last year. Yeah, so. <laughs> I know. Um, so I made uh, this a really nice, beautiful cheese tart the other day. Um, Ooh. So that, yeah, so they are called the baked cheese tarts, uh, the Hokkaido baked cheese tarts. Oh yeah. Tell me about those. Cause I saw the post and I actually commented on them and I was like, oh my gosh, this looks just like the, um, one from Portugal, the sweet one. And you're like, nope, there, that was, that (laughs) recipe's over here. So tell me more about these. They look magical. Yeah. So, uh, I used to love them when I was in Melbourne, like Mm -hmm. uh, they used to sell this everywhere in all, uh, in every shopping mall. Um, they are, they're, they're a Japanese street, I think. Um, so it's like a cross between a cream brulee and a um, cheesecake and an egg tart. Um, I mean, it's quite difficult to uh, like explain the texture and the flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So if you get a chance, please, uh, please do <laughs> try to eat one. Yes. <laughs> I will. I, I will make some. And again, I will tag yeah. you in it and post about it because yeah. they look amazing especially yeah. now like in the winter time and we all kind of just want a little bit of comfort cozy food mm-hmm. they look like they would definitely tick that snack box that I yeah. around this time in the afternoon because in on the east coast it's about like 2 15 2 30 ish I'm always looking for a good snack right about now and I think that cheese tart might be in my near future <laughs> so I know you're busy and you're you're gonna go bake soon and I don't want to take up any more of your time but tell me what would you like to promote how can people get a hold of you tell the world and then I will put it all in the show notes on the website okay so yeah so you can definitely uh, get hold of me on Instagram so I'm there 24 hours a day it looks like that how it, um, <laughs> <laughs> and there's my blog up there so my love of baking.com uh, and I have links to my workshop. Uh, so yeah, if you like, just DM me if you have any questions. I'm friendly. I talk to everyone and you can email me. Um, all my information is out there. I'm not hiding. So No, yeah. no you're not. <laughs> no, and I will put it all in the show notes. I have yeah. one more question before, before sure. we go. If COVID wasn't a thing and money was no option, where would you go and what would you eat? Oh. That's a hard one. Like I, I have like a million places to go. I wouldn't want to go far, but uh, maybe to Florida. Ooh, <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, and there is this uh, bake shop, which is called Bo- Born and Bread Flour, Born and Bread. Mm-hmm. Um, it's run by a girl who just, um, I mean, uh, started baking out of love. And uh, she does this beautiful croissants, pastries and everything. And I will just go and eat one of her craffings. Oh, I love that. Where in Florida is it? Um, I'm not sure because I don't know. I just follow her on Instagram. Oh, I um, love it. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> awesome. So if I will, I will find out where it is and I will add that in the show notes. And anyone who's in Florida, you should go to this bakery <laughs> and you should check it out. Well, I know that's famous like, uh, and there's a long queue usually. Oh, yeah. very <laughs> cool. Well, now I have a food destination. 
Vindy, thank you so much for coming on and for chatting. This was such a pleasure. I adore you and love everything that you're doing. And it means so much to me. It was fun. Thanks for having me, Viv. All right. Well, you take care. And I can't wait to show you all of my wonderful sourdough creations and baking uh, masterpieces I'm about to make. Mm -hmm. Can't wait to see. <laughs> all right. I'll talk to you later. Take care. <laughs> okay. Bye. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm super inspired to bake this weekend. Vindy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. Catch her at My Vindy's Kitchen on Instagram and My Love of Baking on her website. Check out her classes. I'll link everything on the show notes. You guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, you want to send me a voice memo or an email, send them to let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. If you want to work together, hit me up. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I totally appreciate it. Let's go on a food adventure. Leave a review on where you're listening to your podcast so more people can get inspired like we are together and do some cool stuff. Show some love and kindness to one another. Take care of each other. Be safe. And I'll see you next week. Bye, guys.